Welcome to Inside the 18. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm Michael Majid, and with me is no Trevor Styles because his childcare just bailed on him. But I do have Omar Zini from Pro GK Academy. And we have an incredible special, special guest. We have the Director of Coaching for United Soccer Coaches, Ian Barker. Ian, thanks so much for being on Inside the 18. You're welcome, Michael. I think I owe you for the uh, your visit to Kansas City in the summer, so I'm happy to be here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I had such a blast there. Uh, for those of you guys who are unfamiliar, uh, I went with the World Cup comedy tour into Kansas City, and uh, we did a show for essentially United Soccer Coaches because uh, there was a sporting KC match the exact same night for uh, U.S. Open Cup, and uh, because of that, it was essentially the entire front row was just all United soccer coaches because Amanda Mitchell from uh, the development officer over there basically forced everyone to go. <laughs> and, uh, and Ian was sitting right, uh, right in the front row area. And everyone's like, who's that really intimidating looking dude in the back? I'm like, Oh, I think that guy's <laughs> actually going on stage in a few minutes. So, <laughs> so thanks for coming, man. And uh, that was just a fun time. And uh, Omar, you have a big announcement to make before, uh, before we get into it, don't you? Okay, it's not really an announcement. It's just something that happened yesterday. Uh, I posted a video of Allison side volley versus Arsenal and um, uh, put, it, put it side by side with another goalkeeper, Coastal, I think his name was, from uh, the Bundesliga. And I asked people to rate which one was better. And Allison commented that the other person's was better and did like a like, applause emoji. Um, so that was pretty cool. I know I have a lot of friends who are Liverpool fans and that was like the coolest thing to share with them. And they, all my friends are like, you know what, this is awesome, Allison, but please just get us a shout out tomorrow versus Man City, which is today. So, uh, it should be a good game. I'm excited to see that. And now I can say that I have a, not a personal relationship with Allison, but at least I have something to show for it. So that was pretty cool. Well, we, uh, we're all excited about that city Liverpool matchup today, as I know yes. Ian is, uh, Ian, you're a Liverpool supporter, right? Yeah. Um, being from, 40 miles east of London, I probably should have a southern team. But when I was a, a kid, Liverpool were the, the best team in, in England, albeit made up of Scottish and Irish players. So when I was, you know, sort of six, seven, Liverpool was the team and I just fell in love with Liverpool. So I, I have great admiration and I love to see him win the league finally. Now, Ian is not just a, a Liverpool supporter. Like I was saying, he's the director of coaching for United Soccer Coaches. And uh, next week, we're all going to be at the convention and we're all really excited about that. So Ian, before we get started, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, United Soccer Coaches convention and, and what's going to be taking place there next week? Sure. So our organization is exclusively a membership organization for coaches. Um, and one of the things that I am responsible for is coaching education. The convention is an annual event. Um, we do come out to the West Coast. We were in LA a couple of years ago. We'll be coming out to Anaheim um, over the next uh a couple of times over the next four or five years. We'll have about 11,000 people at the event. Um, five to 6,000 will come for just primarily education, classroom sessions, field sessions, American presenters, um, academic, uh, academic presenters, and certainly international presenters. Um, and then we have the awards and rankings. So all of the All-Americas for high school and college, um, all of the coaching staffs that have won awards over the course of the year in college and high school. And we'll have the MLS and then WSL drafts. So there's a lot of, it's soccer. It's, um, it's a big soccer jamboree. Um, and it is a bit of a party for sure, because people like to socialize. But there is a ton of um, concrete educational content, important soccer stuff in the US soccer world going on at the event. So looking forward to it. 
my my thing that I'm looking forward to the most at the convention is seeing Omar Zini try to get as many interviews as possible <laughs> by going from room to room and then freaking out that oh my gosh that's so and so and then somebody <laughs> being like wait a second you're the guy who runs the uh, the Pro GK Academy Instagram page I just assumed that that was some dude who was like, <laughs> some, like third string keeper in the EPL no that's the, that's know. the cool part about this these kind of events I went last year I, I'm pretty sure it was it was in LA last year right. Or two years ago? Two years ago. In LA. Two years ago. Yeah, I was there. My, my parents had like a booth. And, uh, you know, it's just somebody like myself and everybody who's who geeks out on soccer and just like the game understands just it's a great place to network. At the same time, there's so much education that goes on there. And it was my first time as like an adult. I went, I was a, I went when I was a kid, but as an adult, my first time going. And now that I have my channel growing and everything like that, I'm just super excited. And thank you guys for putting that on. It's, it's, it's going to be a thrill for me just to kind of be in that environment where everybody geeks out on soccer just like I do. So, so speaking, speaking of geeking out on soccer and coaching education, like I was saying, you know, Ian run as the DOC for United Soccer Coaches. And the topic I wanted to talk about with him, and I think this is fascinating personally, maybe just me and everybody who listens to this is going to be like, why did you do this? Uh, because we wanted Ian on, uh, is uh, incorporating the goalkeeper into coaching education. Um, because I think that's something that's lacking a lot of times when you look into coaching education, whether it's uh, through a club or whether through it's an organization. And in regards to finding the right way, the right balance, what to train people who may not necessarily be goalkeeper coaches uh, to how to work with their goalkeepers. So, Ian, what role do the goalkeeper coaches play within developing a curriculum for a club? Um, I think the, the challenge is that most people – don't have a ton of assistant help. So very often it will be one coach with 16 to 18 players and the coach may or may not have any goalkeeping knowledge anyway. Um, I'm inclined to suggest that if you, if you don't know what you're teaching, don't teach it. So you see some coaches try to teach goalkeeping and they have no, no knowledge. So I think they can actually do more harm than good. By the same token, uh, it's very common. It's like, well, you two goalkeepers go over there for half an hour while I train the guys and then we'll bring you back. So it's, it's really, I feel sorry for the goalkeepers sometimes because they do, they do fall through the cracks. Um, I like to see it where clubs have, you know, they have an age group coach for every team, but they have a specialized goalkeeper coach in college and high school. That's more common. Um, and certainly at the younger ages, functional training for goalkeepers, Technique, technical training with a goalkeeper is working with the other goalkeeper and one or two coaches, I think is totally appropriate. Of course, in the modern game now, though, that, that time where the goalkeeper is by his or herself with their specialized coach is becoming a little bit less and they're getting integrated more into full team training at the higher levels. Um, so, you know, side volleys to the halfway line are great, but if there's nobody there to receive it, then it's just a kick out of bounds. So how does Allison know when to release the ball? What is the cue movement? Either that Allison cues the movement from the winger or does the winger cue, cue the movement? And if you don't integrate the goalkeepers into team training, um, all that work you've done with them ends up just basically being shot stopping and nothing else. Yeah, and that's my concern sometimes. And I know, Omar, I'll let you step in in, in a second sure, here. Sure. But is that a lot of times when you're talking about the functionality of a training session, a lot of times when I see a goalkeeper coach going through, let's say, for lack of a better word, the motions, uh, it's not, you know, playing within the game. It's basically the keepers start learning how to play the training rather than the actual game and reading the game. And that's why I think it's so important that the goalkeeper coach 
and the field coaches have an understanding and they have a relationship. And I think you and Lisa Cole, you guys work very much hand in hand in developing the curriculum at United Soccer Coaches, right? Yeah. So there's, we have four levels. Um, the highest level is going right now, out, actually outside this hotel room. And um, Tony DiCicco developed it. And the idea is now you're fully integrating the goalkeeper into team training, whereas the basic level is catch it, you know, stop it, throw it, kick it. Um, but I was in advance of this, uh, this call, I was thinking about an example that maybe people could relate to that all these games we've just had recently. So Edison in Man City played Southampton, I think on Boxing Day or in the last couple of days. And the Ukrainian left back for Man City is the third string after Mendy and after um, Baby and Delph. And at some point, Edison tried to feed him and he was kind of in like a number six position. He wasn't wide. He was actually inside of the center back. And between Edison and the, the fullback, they weren't on the same page. And so all of a sudden he gets picked off and Hoiberg for Southampton scores. So there's an example of where Edison can catch and distribute and serve to cones and serve to cones and serve to cones. But because the Ukrainian fullback didn't make the right movement or Edison didn't serve it to him on the right way, they give up a goal. So all of Guardiola's planning and training, there was that missing link between goalkeeper training and the appropriate field player in the appropriate situation at the appropriate time. Um, and so, you know, these all of these top goalkeepers, I think, it, what is it, 80% of the time they're using their feet now, they better be really good field players and connected to the field players for sure. Yeah, we've always been big proponents of that. And by the way, we all know that Allison would have made that the proper play there, right? Obviously. <laughs> Um, Omar, I know you're a big proponent of this too. So, you know, why don't, why don't you step in a little bit in regards to developing the goalkeeper into incorporating them into teaching systems of play, because I know Ian's a very big proponent of that as well, uh, in regards to working with the, with the actual team. So, yeah, no, I think, uh, the way the game is going, the goalkeepers have to be, that's like a prerequisite now. Um, as a coach myself, whenever I see a goalkeeper who wants to come train with me or even just at the college level now, when I, you know, guest at sessions or even at Cal State LA where I'm at, if the goalkeeper doesn't know how to play with their feet right away, it tells us that the foundation of where they came from just wasn't correct way of teaching. I think one of the biggest things that I've been learning as well that I've gone into coaching is that most goalkeeper coaches shouldn't just be goalkeeper coaches anymore. They need to understand the game. They need to be very tactically aware of like field player drills and field player uh, awareness. So uh, when I'm at Cal State LA now, uh, the head coach told me, he's like, you know what? I don't want you just to be a goalkeeper coach anymore. You're going to keep yourself very one dimensional. You need to understand the game a little bit more, actually understand like formations, understand what we want our goalkeepers to do when there's a high line, when there's a deep line. Um, So I think that's the biggest thing that we should teach the, the next generation of goalkeeper coaches is don't just have a one track mind. Don't just be a goalkeeper coach. Really try and sit in on those tactical sessions with the field player coaches and the head coaches who have that knowledge to kind of offer. And from there, now we can kind of have one eye on the goalkeeping aspect and then one eye on the field player, you know, different positions and how to receive the ball a certain way and things like that. And I think it'll benefit uh, our goalkeepers. Ian, I want to ask you about that because obviously you've, you, you know, you, you started out in the UK and you've been over here for, for a bit now. And it seems as if when I was coming up as a coach, um, not that I'm a hundred years old or anything like that, goalkeeper coaching was very specific, very niche and goalkeeper coaches stayed in their lane 
and they didn't really interact with the field coaches and they didn't really progress themselves in regards to their education uh, as understanding the full 11 aside game. It seems over in Europe that the goalkeeper coach was always somebody that was part of the team system and that it was more expected of you to actually reach out and develop yourself as a full team trained coach as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I think part of the challenge is sort of um, it's part of our culture. So um, if people sell the notion that they're a goalkeeper expert or they're a technical skills expert or they're a nutrition expert or whatever it is, they create a little, a little island for themselves that isn't connected to anything else. They're just they're making money off the basis of this, um, their own self-proclaimed expertise. When you look at elite management, um, but then you try to extrapolate that down to the club environment or the college or high school environment, the effective head coach is somebody that integrates all of those component parts. So, yeah, I've got a goalkeeper specialist, but he or she has to know when there is functional time in training, when it's team training, what my physical conditioning coach is doing with them, and it's much more integrated. And I actually think even at the most humble levels of American youth club soccer, we can do that. So the coach has youth, 14 boys or girls, but the club provides some goalkeeper specialization. The, co- the club provides a psychologist once a week. The head coach doesn't, shouldn't abdicate responsibility and just say, well, now you're off with the goalkeeper coach or now you're off with the strength conditioning coach. He or she should be going to those sessions and meeting the coaches in advance and saying, this is what I'm looking to get out of it. So, um, you know, if the coach wants to play a high line, the needs of the goalkeeper are different than if he's going to play and defend from his penalty spot out. If the goalkeeper coach doesn't know that, to, to um, Omar's point, then you've got the kid, the players are getting different information. So for, for me, it's all about this notion of integration, not isolated training. I, I love what you were just saying there, because I can't tell you how many times I've worked at a club and I've gone out to the fields to watch games and I had no idea, this is when I was a younger coach, I had no idea what system of play those teams were playing because all the all the teams at that club were playing a different system of play. There was no blanket, and I, that's changing in American soccer, but it was very much, for lack of a better term, the Wild West, you know, even just 10, 15 years ago type of thing when I was, when I was starting out as a coach and, and, and still playing and all that. And uh, one thing I want to ask you is how better can a goalkeeper coach prepare themselves? Like should a goalkeeper coach take on a team to have that experience, to understand, to have empathy for the team coach, to know really what it's like to train a team? Um, I think the value to the to a goalkeeper specialist coach um, in taking a full team is, is looking at the, the sort of the A to Z, the A to Z of the program. So now that goalkeeper coach, like any, so it's, it's similar when any assistant rises to the head coaching position. You've got a different set of responsibilities. You've got different communication needs. Um, you have to stretch yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit. So I was a center back. So I'm pretty pretty comfortable with goalkeepers and organizing a back four, organizing my central midfield. But I'm, I'm not the greatest coach at delivering creative attacking sessions, certainly at least on the basis of my own personal playing experience. Um, so I think the goalkeeper coach who becomes the head coach of the full team has a much better appreciation of what we're talking about is the need to integrate his or her goalkeeper into the sessions in the same way. Um, So, you know, definitely at the end of the day, some of us make better assistant coaches or better specialist coaches than we make head coaches or leaders. 
Um, but I do think it's worth everybody giving it giving it a go just to just to feel that additional pressure and the additional chaos of being the head coach. Yeah, Omar, would you ever take on a team? Uh, I think a lot of people have told me to do that, but I think uh, now that I'm at a college uh, level and and the coaches there are very aware of where the game is going, they've kind of pulled me aside and told me, hey, like when we sit in tactical meetings, when we sit in like actual scouting meetings, don't just offer goalkeeping advice because that's going to, like Ian said, it's going to leave you on an island. It's going to put you in a position where you're only going to be listened to, your voice only going to listen to when when they speak about goalkeeping, which is very rare. Um, especially in the season, in the thick of a season, you don't really have that much time. You know, I, in, in preseason, I trained with the keepers. The coach said, this is when you're going to have the most time with them. But once season starts, we're going to put these guys on ice. There's not really much we can do. We can have so many games in such a small amount of time. So I think, uh, as Ian said, it's, it's important to kind of allow yourself to be more open-minded. And I think having a team would help you out because you'd be more, not even empathetic, but you'd be way more knowledgeable and at least understanding of different uh, tactics uh more defensive more offensive you know where where the ball is going to be and how you're going to play formation versus another formation so that's super important and i think for me as a who's trying to become a professional coach in the long run that's going to give me a lot more 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 of a seat at the table versus me just kind of taking a back seat and just you know listening versus my my opinions being heard and you got you guys really talk like professional coaches i just in the whole time i'm thinking in my head it's like i've taken on the team before and i have no desire to ever do that again <laughs> the last thing i want is 18 children response that i'm responsible for when it comes to goalkeeper coaching i'm an assistant but that guy can take the responsibility or that woman can take the responsibility but like i'm scared to death it's like oh now i got to deal with these parents and everything like that like i'd much rather just be like you know what um hey you know what that kid's 54 i don't know what to do about that back to the bar happen bro <laughs> something like that um so before we go off uh ian let's talk about some of the courses that are being offered you know at convention that you think some goalkeeper coaches might benefit from that you would suggest them attending yeah um well for for your listeners that are enthusiastic goalkeeper coaches and have, have trying to educate themselves we took all of tony to chico's level one content which we continue to deliver in person but we also turned it exclusively into an online course so if you go to the United Soccer Coaches website, there's about a four-hour um, program that Tony DeChico, right before he passed away, um, put together. So it's really strong. So we have that online. Um, and I, what I think is good about it is for a lot of grassroots coaches who are kind of a little bit anxious about in-person, sometimes a podcast like this or some of our online content um, is a really nice way to get them feeling more comfortable about you know, the, the scary notion of being in front of Omar for a couple of hours or myself for a couple of hours. <laughs> um, at the convention, what we do is we do a lot of, you can attend any sessions, but if you attend a certain series of sessions, um, we give you uh, certification, continuing education for piecing those together. So we have a goalkeeper track. Um, we have goalkeepers from Europe, goalkeepers from South America. We haven't asked them to integrate or connect their sessions necessarily. They're more uh, bite-sized pieces of the way they do it at Benfica or the way they do it at um, Celtic or whatever it is. Um, but we're encouraging people to look at those things. I think, you know, Omar posted on YouTube and Alison responded. I think um, a lot of coaches who want to educate themselves on an ongoing basis using open source free resources like podcasts, like YouTube, um, you don't have to spend a ton of money or a ton of time to yeah. get good, good insight. The one thing I would say, though, um, 
and this is a, a continual frame in coaching education, uh, go buy the book about how Allison became one of the best goalkeepers in the world. But if your goalkeeper is five foot two and can't kick a ball yet, don't try to make them Allison because your goalkeeper's five foot two and they can't kick a ball yet. Yeah. So what happens in the trouble is a lot of people educate themselves by you know getting Pep's book or getting Anson Durrance's book, but they're not like Anson Durrance or they're not like Pep or they don't have the culture of Barcelona. So um, educate yourself, but then make it contextual to your reality. Um, fit it into to what your day-to-day soccer world is, which might be two trainings a week with recreational kids, or it might be five trainings a week with your high school team, but you don't get to choose your talent. So you're always amending to, to the talent that comes to you. I think being more contextual is important for a coach. Okay. That's uh, I think that's all in fantastic advice. And uh, because we're running a little bit low on time here, Ian, I'm going to let you get to the fun stuff now. So let's talk city. <laughs> let's talk city Liverpool, the big matchup today, Allison versus Ederson. Everybody's been looking forward to this matchup. We're talking about two of the best teams in the Premiership, two of the best teams in the world right here. Uh, what are we looking to see? Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Mr. Analysis, Omar. Omar, what are you, what are you looking for today? Uh, I think it's going to be a very close game. Again, Liverpool have such a big lead. They don't really have to go for the win. Uh, it's going to be very defensive. But I don't know. It's going to be such a pulling from opposite sides where they don't have to go for the win, but their DNA is to attack with that three-headed monster up top. So I think uh, they're going to have to figure out tactically. I'm, I'm interested to see... How, uh, oh my God, I forgot the coach's name already. Uh, one more time, uh, uh, Liverpool head coach. Jurgen Klopp? <laughs> I forgot. My, forgot my, Jurgen my Klopp. mind went somewhere else. I'm, I'm excited to see how Jurgen Klopp kind of plays that. Like I said, I'm, actually, Omar doesn't know anything about soccer or gold. <laughs> no, I do. I do. He's my, actually uh, a, uh, an actor that I, that I got because <laughs> I couldn't make it today. I have my but trainings right now. Looks for a podcast don't really come into play, <laughs> do they? What's the point? <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I think like, we were talking about it earlier. I'm excited because I'm, I'm trying to switch more from just being a goalkeeper coach to actually seeing how coaches with we, we the get it Omar you want to work for Ian we we've figured <laughs> that out we'll this, is my, this is my this is my resume but yeah. no yeah I'm excited to see I'm sure the matchup is going to be a lot more uh, pride on the line between Alice and Ederson you know obviously they go head to head in Brazil or for the Brazilian national team spot so I'm excited to see how both of them play uh Ian uh how taking your Liverpool bias out of here what, what how are you seeing this today and also honestly who's got the advantage goalkeeping wise right now um, I know so I, on the NBC Sports predictor that Rebecca Lowe made me download, I predicted 1-1 one, one, uh, because just it's easier to sit on the fence. Uh, I think it was the first Champions League game last year where Guardiola made changes to, to counter um, Liverpool. And at least in the press, Guardiola was criticized for sort of blinking first. Um, I don't think either of them will do that this time. So I think you'll get that front foot kind of persona of Liverpool and you'll get the more deliberate connecting pieces of City. So I think you'll get that beautiful contrast, and I think they'll both play to their strengths. Um, honestly, between Edison and Allison, um, I think Allison's probably got in a couple more troubles occasionally with his footwork. He's got picked early on in, in his, his career at Liverpool, whereas Edison looks supremely confident. Um, I think Allison looks like a great instinctual shot stopper. So I think about the the save against Napoli uh, in the last Champions League game. Um, I don't think, unless unless Allison gets, well, there was the one where Edison passed it to Salah last year as well. 
So I, I don't think it'll come down to a goalkeeping error. I think they're both too solid. And I think they're both too established with their respective managers and their clubs now that they know when to kick it into row Z or Z and they know when to play. So I don't think the goalkeepers, I think they'll both, they'll be factors, but only in a positive way is my opinion. Now, speaking of positive ways, I want to talk in, and obviously, you know, you're from the UK and, and Angus Gunn just had his Premier League debut yesterday for uh, Southampton against Chelsea, which is no small feat in any way whatsoever. I was very impressed with the young man. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that Chelsea match yesterday, but uh, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Um, obviously, McCarthy is a solid goalkeeper, probably an international. Uh, have you seen a lot of this kid, and, and what do you think of his future? Yeah, well, um, I did my research in advance of the call, and you sent some great links. So there's a great link of Angus Gunn, um, and if you, I think if you YouTube Angus Gunn, G-U-N-N, uh, England under 21 training video. Um, that's a really interesting video of some of the technical training that he was doing with the England under 21s. He had a, he was loaned out last year to Norwich, I think in the championship. So he's got a lot of first team experience, albeit at the championship level. McCarthy is a good goalkeeper. He looked a bit tired and a bit ragged against Man City. And so maybe they just and they maybe they didn't think they were going to get a result against Chelsea. But if you shut out Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, somebody's done something right, including the guys in front of you. There was a couple of saves he made, um, but he looks mature beyond his age. And of course, his father was a top professional goalkeeper, which probably probably doesn't hurt. Um, yeah. uh, the interesting thing is when I was researching um, Angus and looking at McCarthy. The goalkeeper of just a year ago was Fraser Forster. And just for your listeners that like goalkeeping, that is the single biggest human being I've ever seen <laughs> in soccer. Without, and I'm not kidding. I mean, I've coached a long time and played a long time. Um, but I was at Southampton and um, Fraser Forster was coming back from an injury and we got taken through the training room. And he is the biggest person I've ever seen on a soccer field or potentially on a soccer field. Um, and his, it's interesting because he got, he got a really big contract um, of like 60, 70,000 pounds a week, a lot of money. And a couple of weeks later, he had a real disaster. I think it was Tottenham and he never got back in the first team again. Jeez. And now he's looking for a move out of Southampton. So it's really interesting how um, goalkeepers, the, the errors that goalkeepers make tend to be really heavily penalized. You think about Carrius at Liverpool um, and how these goal, uh, Joe Hart, you know, sort of decline and now rebound. Um, so hopefully Gunn does well, but I don't think McCarthy's done anything wrong to be displaced. They just have two really good goalkeepers, which of course um, isn't a bad isn't a bad problem to have. No, what I was what I was really impressed with, and Omar and I were talking about this, you know, uh, yesterday, is that he read the game really well for playing the first his first game at that highest level. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I I can't tell you what I would happen if I was one v one with Hazard, but it probably wouldn't stand big <laughs> like that, and I probably wouldn't be able to cut off my angle like that, and also you know, uh, for lack of a better term, not anticipate where he's going to place that ball and, and go down early and everything. But he looked all the part of a Premier League goalkeeper. So I think he's got a, a big future. Um, speaking of a guy who's got a big future uh, in the Premier League is uh, Zach Steffen at City. I'm, I'm calling it. He's going to, he'll get a chance at some point. Uh, and uh, Joe Bendick has now been signed by Columbus Crew. Uh, do you see him being the number one for Columbus when, when Zach leaves? Yeah. Um, again, I did my research. Um, when you look at Bendix's um, uh, significant MLS experience, including you know a lot of starts last year with Orlando City, um, 
that's what he's been brought in for. I don't think he's been brought in to develop younger keepers. I think the idea is that it, when Stefan is, is released to Man City, Joe Bendick would, would step up. And from what I've seen of his resume, and then I did watch a little bit of video and stuff, but um, I think he, he looks like a legitimate MLS goalkeeper. And some of the guys have, have flourished in different environments. So I'm a, a Sporting Kansas City uh, season ticket holder. And Timmy Melia came in a couple of years ago, relatively unheralded, and just took off. So um, maybe, you know, a fresh, not that Bendix had a bad career, but a fresh scenario, yeah. uh, new coaching, a bit more stability with the program too, because hopefully Columbus is staying in Columbus now. Yeah. It must be much be better for all of the players. So, but good well, luck to Zach Stefan. Well, I mean, look, let's, let's, let's be honest. Anything's better than being in Orlando. No, um, actually, I'm excited to go to Orlando for All-Star Game. Uh, Orlando gets a bad rap. Um, by the way, I love the fact, Ian, that you've done every single time you're like, I've done my research. And not only did you do, this is how you know that you're an educator, because you're literally like, I've done my research. I only did six hours last night before I went to bed on Joe Bendick's uh, top hand technique. But mm-hmm. I think I'll have enough information uh, for the podcast. No, because the best is like sometimes Trevor, first off, who's who's the other co-host with us, he doesn't read the rundown at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then well, whenever he knows, we have, he knows a lot, so it's like no, always, he does. Yeah, he, he does. does. And Omar is like you. Uh, I'm somewhere in between. And then when we get professional goalkeepers on, sometimes they're like, uh, I think I've seen Joe before. I think I played against him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's always fascinating the the contrast between. Uh, Mike, I gotta I gotta head out in like two three yeah, minutes. So, but one okay, last so, thing I want to add. Sure. So I am a huge Navas fan, and we just got a report. It was just reported that they've uh, given him a fourteen million dollar, or they've put a bid out for uh, fourteen million dollars, fourteen million pounds for him. So I'm not sure what that'll come of or what, what will come of that, but I think if if anything, I think Florentino is probably going to be like, finally, we can get rid of this guy, and now I can get you know more focus on Courtois. So. As an Arsenal fan, I'm excited to see him come through. Hopefully, it's not another Ospina situation where we have kind of he plays just some games. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen between him and Leno, but it'd be a good, healthy competition. And Leno's been slipping up a little bit, but before they put in Navas, I want them to give Leno a full chance, give him a full year, and let's see what happens. Omar, who's the yes. who's um, there was a question that was on the original sheet: goalkeeper of the year so far in the in the uh, in the Premier League. Uh, you know what's going to be kind of away from like the actual popular guys? I'm going to go with Fabianski. I think uh-huh. West Ham is in the top of the table now. But I mean, they're going to sell that. Uh, what's it, the, it's not a Brazilian, Portuguese guy. They're going to sell him. Uh, Adrian. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, not him. The the field player. Uh, oh, Felipe Anderson. Felipe Anderson. They're going to sell him. So they're probably going to, one of those big teams are going to come swoop him up. But I think he's having a great year. I mean, as an Arsenal fan, he's been with, he's with us a long time ago. I don't think he got a fair shot. So when he went to Swansea, again, Swansea was just one of those poor teams. But now that he's on West Ham and they're actually having a resurgence, I feel bad for Adrian. But at the end of the day, man, he's, he's having some quality performances. So I would put him just because he gets a lot of action. Of course, Allison, but their defense is just so good that it's hard for me to kind of give him as much credit. But I think if I'm going to give a team credit, uh, a goalkeeper credit, it's got to be Fabianski because of how, how he's playing and just how their team is playing. Top, you know, the top half of the table. Um, they had like this time last year, they had, I think like 10 points or something like that. Now they're at like 27 or some, you know, some crazy, some crazy number. So I think if I have to give it to somebody, it's gotta be him. That's yeah. Cool. I, I actually, I, I, I thought Fabianski, it's really funny that you said that because I thought you were going to say Fabianski too. And I've been very impressed with Fabianski this year too. And I also think Etheridge for what he's dealing with at Cardiff yes. is doing a pretty darn good job. He's a beast. I mean, I mean that's like playing on a men, men's seven aside team, the way he's done. <laughs> 
Yeah, I watched him. He was on a. I mean, I I'm, I watch a lot of YouTube videos and and uh, the goalkeeper coach at uh, Walsall, and he used to post a lot of videos. And Neil Etheridge was one of their goalkeepers there, and you just saw him kind of grow up. And they posted a lot of videos, so you can see him progressively get better and better with every session. And then now it's like crazy that he's with Cardiff and they got you know promoted. So it's pretty cool. I'm not saying I know him, but like you can see, I've watched him for like five years now. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I want to say one last thing before we leave here. And uh, this is amazing. I want to read two reviews that we got. And by the way, you guys, thank you for the reviews on iTunes. Keep subscribing. Keep sharing. Come up to us at convention next week. Say hi. We're going to be on podcast row with a lot of great guests. I've already talked to Lloyd Yaxley uh, from Orlando Pride. I've talked to uh, Jill Lloyden from TKI. Uh, we're going to have some really, really awesome guests. I know we're going to MLS draft. Uh, so real quickly, I just want to say... Uh, Got this review. This is amazing. Uh, five stars. I listen to a lot of soccer podcasts and having a goalkeeper one is great. The content you guys produce truly throws this pod towards the top of my list. Must be a very small list. Uh, thank you for the show that leaves something for us keepers. And then there's three popcorn emojis, which uh, I've never seen before for a goalkeeping podcast. But uh, <laughs> And uh, that's uh, from Gertura. So Gertura. If uh, if you are in convention, please come say hi. We're going to send you a World Cup comedy tour scarf uh, that Ian, I believe, has a scarf, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, guys, we're going to see you next week in Chicago. We'll be live in Chicago. Please come out. Uh, UnitedSoccerCoaches.com is, or is it .org? Is that org? Org. org. .org. You can find out all the registration info. Uh, you can reach me at LA Goalkeeping Academy. Uh, Omar at Pro GK Academy. Ian, where's the best place for people to reach you? Um, actually, Twitter is probably pretty good. So it's I Barker at uh, that's it. I Bar- no I Barker Soccer. Sorry, I Barker Soccer. I Barker <laughs> Soccer. Don't do yes. I Barker because if you do at I Barker, that's probably some political analyst. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, talking about Brexit. We don't want that. So uh, that's all the time on Inside the 18. We've got guys. See you in Chicago. We're out. See you guys.